Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is a distinct pleasure of the management to present to you the evening star attraction. Here we are, back after the exclusive two-year tour as a serious disagreement from Sydney, Australia, the physical media show on a mission from VOD starring Finding Dragon Total Reboots, Alexa Toliopoulos, that's me, and the one, the only, one Heat Minute and Zodiac Chronicles of Blake Howard. Ladies and gentlemen, the Blues Brothers. Alex, I'm so happy to be back. Oh, yes. Yes, Mama, it is great to be back, and it is extremely exciting to be talking about those Blu-ray discs. Uh, <laughs> this week on the podcast, we're continuing our discussion on a batch of blues coming all the way from Sunburnt Screens, a lovely little boutique number here in Australia that honours classic Australian films, offering us rediscoveries of some of our all-time favourites in this country and some unheralded unearthed gems of the rarest order uh this week we got a little bit of column a and a little bit of column b <laughs> we're talking about one of my favorite australian movies of all time Anna Kokinos's head on and a film that i have still yet to see blake howard why don't we start by you telling me a little bit about sirens a minister and his wife i'm not sure on a crusade against immorality do you think the pictures actually damage people the last thing we want is a scandal and i gather you uh, you want me to try and talk him around i think an outsider has more of a chance of getting through to him than any of us locals together they'll visit an enchanted place where a controversial artist I like a little opposition it clears the mind it's fortified and his models Ground with your eyes closed while he licks your belly button. You're really shocking. We'll teach them. Try one of these. You like her, don't you? They have nothing to lose. Estella, what's wrong? Nothing is wrong! Except their inhibitions. So a young clergyman uh, with a partner, his wife, uh, played by Hugh Grant and Tara Fitzgerald, travel to a bohemian artist's retreat. That bohemian artist, a person I never would think would be associated with the words bohemian and artist, Sam Neill, um, uh, is famous or perhaps infamous for painting these sexually explicit and, uh, and sort of tantalizing works of art that are potentially really corrupting the morality of then an emerging 1930s Australian culture. So, Anthony Campion, Hugh Grant's character, is tasked with trying to sort of squash, kind of censor, softly, reason with Sam Neill's normal music, just get him to stop painting gorgeous paintings of free-spirited, topless, often models played by the incredible Elle McPherson, Kate Fisher, and Portia de Rossi. Uh, this one from John uh, du- Dwigan, rather, is... This feels like one of the most paused videos in Australian video shop history from 1993, Sirens. Um, it is just really, it is another one of these meditations on, uh, you know, Australian... Uh, 
morality or uh, Australian repressed sexuality. And it's kind of like, it feels like the tide has already turned and it feels like this is a commentary on, you know, what would be sort of like flagrant sexual practices that kind of corrupted probably the 60s, 70s and all the way through the 80s and early 90s. And this feels like a look back to go, well, look, when was the turning of the tide in this country around sexual repression and those sorts of things? Um, and so that that's what this movie is. And it feels like this very kind of slow kind of uh, 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 period piece. We don't really have those steamy period pieces mm. in Oz as much. And that's what it kind of feels like, this steamy period piece where these extremely attractive, largely bad acting models are sort uh-huh. of swanning about in a Blue Mountains retreat with a very extremely young Hugh Grant before he'd done any of his massive movies. Um, and, uh, and, you know, these very attractive women just getting their kid off and Sam Neill, you know, sort of walking around with a pipe and painting them and all of the uh, gettings up to of all this uh, uh, sexual shenanigans on this site. And so this was new to me. Like, I think I Mm. maybe had walked in on my brother watching this on VHS many years ago. It has a poster that looks very like (laughs) Playboy softcore video store porno. I think that's why I didn't really watch this movie when it got in here. I was like, oh, it's a softcore. I'm not interested. I didn't even know that Hugh Grant... I, I didn't... Like, I had no idea Sam Neill plays Norman Lindsay in this. Yes. Like, I'm a... I have to watch this now. Norman Lindsay wrote and illustrated The Magic Pudding, one of my core texts <laughs> of Australiana for me. Like, I love The Magic Pudding. I had no idea they made a softcore adaptation of his life. That Basically that, which is that he lives with his children and his wife, who also happens to love to get her kid off. And it's this kind of softcore thing. And, you know... I kind of enjoyed actually seeing what the movie was for the first time. Like I said, mm. I remember my brother watching it, walking in. My brother is um, several years older than me, so and then immediately sending young Blake out of the room. No, this is not for you. This is my time, um, and those sorts of things. So I that's largely what I remember the movie for. But I got to watch it, and you know, it's. I think this movie works so much better in the context um, of the actual umbrella curation rather than mm. on its own two legs because of the, you know, these two movies we're talking today and the two previous movies we mentioned sort of preparing for these, um, you know, quartet of Australian classics. I was kind of like, this is the softer as far as um, the softer as far as the impact that you feel from it. It's much more um, sensuous and it's much more titillating, and it wants to get you on the on the purely kind of visceral, you know, attractiveness and allure of all of the people who are in the movie, and they're just like they're free spirits. Whereas um, when you think of it in the context of everything that's happening, it's just this a series of movies in dialogue with who we are and what we are as sexual people in in this country and what our perspective of sex are, and it feels like you know kicking off right in the you know the late 70s but definitely occupying this sort of 90s um uh space was like you know as as things that that repressed sexuality was sort of like being challenged these Mm. different texts were coming and butting against it so talking about baywatch i'm talking about that man i'm talking about slow motion (laughs) pam anderson that's what i'm talking about and look what's funny is um, on this disc, you know, it's a, it's a nice transfer, you know, uh, everything that Sunburnt Screens is doing is really good, but there's a really funny informal chat between Hugh Grant and John Dwiggin, the director. And why it's hilarious is because Hugh Grant literally remembers this movie like my brother would remember it. Like he just remembers it. Like, uh, I don't remember much about it. I remember like I, I wanted the job cause I wanted to work in Australia. I, I dug the script. And the thing I remember most is like being around super attractive women with their clothes off all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I was good for you. Good for you. Ukraine. Good for you. Yeah. So he would have so, been hot off Jurassic Park around <laughs> this time. Hey, 
Hey, very close. You know, it's 93. So, you know, Sam Neill, either pre or post Jurassic Park is like mm-hmm. one of the, about to be one of the world's biggest movie stars in the highest Ooh. grossing movie then to date. And right. here he is just hanging around painting naked chicks instead of dinosaurs, you know? Good Lord. The Velociraptors <laughs> aren't the only thing that are putting you in danger this year, Mr. Neal. Uh, so, so this one is uh, probably one of the softer ones. If you enjoyed it and wore out your VHS, I think you're going to want to get it back for your collection. You but, want that high um, def. You want that high def. You want Elle McPherson in high def. But what I'm going to say is we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back to what I know is one of Alexi's all-time favorite films. But um, what I can truly say is, uh, is, is, it, is an Australian classic that deserves to be on this label, which is Anna Kokinas's Head On. You want to have new experiences? That you want to be free? This is Sean. Something's troubling you. You remind me of something. Who? I saw the face. You fuck a few girls for me tonight. Head On from 1998, directed by Anna Kokinos, based on the book by Christos Solkas. This is a film that is full-on. 19-year-old Ari confronts both his sexuality and his Greek family. Ari despises his once-beloved parents, former radical activists, for having entombed themselves in insular tradition. Ari is obsessed with gay sex, although he does make an unenthusiastic attempt to satisfy the sister of his best friends. While all of this is going on, he's facing problems with his traditional Greek parents who have no clue about his sexual activities. This was a key text for me as a teenage boy of similar Greek heritage to uh, the absolute megastar Alex Dimitriades of this era. Um, I remember I studied the book for my HSC as like one of my uh, nominated texts where you can pick your own text for your end of year exams that you're going to analyze. And I chose it because the movie meant so much to me. And I... I think what is so key to the success of this movie in its translation from the text is how it translates like this kind of poetic stream of consciousness of the book in a very visceral way Um, because it kind of captures everything from that book that feels like written poetics into color and light uh, in a way that feels so frantic and kinetic. Um, and I think that's so key for me, like of why this movie works, is that it translates book poetry into visual cinematic poetry in a way that I find rather astounding. And this is a kind of movie that connects with me so deeply in the same way that I really do feel like this is like the Australian version of Saturday Night Fever, of like an angry young man coming into his own and finding his own sexuality and how he relates to those around him through his culture or against his culture. And uh, I think that this is a very, very authentic and harsh look at 
um, those kind of diaspora communities that we have in Australia that I'm a part of where there is like this old traditional values and how they butt up against the new world of Australia and modern culture and how assimilation is not an option. Yes, I, I, the momentum of Ari's self-destruction in this movie is totally intoxicating and I think Kokinas's direction is central oh, to that and I, I just I just love I, I think the momentum of this movie is blistering and I think I can't get enough of despite the fact like I don't I don't know if many of our listeners can directly relate to the events that are necessarily depicted because this is like a, an extremity but you know there are those great nights that you have with friends and you might have mm-hmm. a few drinks and you go and party and it feels like that there's these escalating 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 moments and they're, they're, they're truly the most memorable nights of your life and it feels like Ari's character is is just on I don't know this like insane run of this ongoing attempts at escalating like chase that that phrase of like chasing the dragon or whatever it is mm. like to to get himself to this level of high to get himself to this level of abandon to get himself to this moment where in every single thing that he's doing he's truly rebelling against every single person's expectation and whenever he's coddled whenever he's cared for it's like how can i escalate this situation into a hostility and insult and be combative and get my way out of it. And I'm just like stunned because all the people that love him in this movie, he, he rejects and doesn't Mm. just reject with, with passivity, but it's aggression and it doesn't necessarily have to manifest in physical violence, but it's like self harm um, in every way, because he's like, if you love me, you're going to have to love me warts and all. And I truly respect the, the level of self-destruction that this movie embraces. And, and so mm. for me, revisiting it, I'd seen it a million years ago. It felt like, you know, right, you know, 1998, I, I think I was at the exact right time in high school seeing this movie probably around 99. And I was mm. just like, I, I didn't know movies w- were so, you know, I didn't know movies could hit so hard. And, you know, I'm also, you know, um, from being from Maltese background from that, like, diaspora community as well. Yeah. And you see how there's this sort of staunch Catholicism and this repression and this, like, conservatism largely that all happens around it. And then you see all of your young peers and your young cousins and all the all the generation that Alexia and I belong to, like, all railing yeah. against it in some way because you don't want to be confined by it because, you know, there is a massive hypocrisy that lives in that tradition in that conservatism because it's all about double standards and it's all about mistakes that have been made and everything's slidden under the rug because you don't want to have attention attracted to you because you know there's this chain of aunties and friends that are all on the phone sort of sharing all the family's darkest secrets and he feels like he's just running literally you know uh, forgive the pun but like head on into it and so mm-hmm. truly as a film um one of the one of the true classics of Australian cinema and you know uh, again um you know a, a, a massive highlight to talk with you about because I know how much you love it so my favorite movies to talk to you about are these movies that um you love so deeply mm, I, what part of the reason I love this so deeply is uh, it features some really fantastic performances from Greek Australian stars Alex Dimitriades, he's a megastar in my community. He grew up like five suburbs away, oh, five suburbs, <laughs> one suburb away from me. And like, he truly was like an icon growing King. up. King. But 
I also really love another actor that plays his father in this, Tony yeah. Nikolokopoulos, who is, of course, in the Wog Boy as well around this time. He's a fantastic actor, and he captures like so much of that pressurized emotional energy that is so key to the conflict of this film. But chief perpetually among disappointed actors. ethnic dad energy mm-hmm. to a level that is uncomfortable because you're like, I'm yes. so familiar with that energy, uncles grandfathers yeah. He's whatever so it is strong and deeply masculine like you yeah. can even smell it on his performance like it's yeah. so powerful yeah but the one performance in this movie that i really really absolutely adore one of my favorite actors of all time largely known as like a australian theater actor um is a performer called paul capsis who plays yes. Uh, Alex Mitrati's cousin in this movie who is a real like gender fuck character like they like completely capturing like that energy of this era of like what gender fuck represents and like how to subvert gender and gender fluidity before that term even really existed Um, this is one of my favorite 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 characters one of the greatest performances in Australian cinema history Paul Capsus has been like my hero since I saw this film. I remember Paul Capsus came to speak at uh, my film school while I was studying there. And I was like in the front row. And I was just <laughs> staring the whole time. I'm like 23. I'm not even like a baby or anything. And I just like couldn't take my eyes off Paul because it's just like, they're my freaking hero. And they're so magnetic the way they speak and I was so enraptured and they kept on making eye contact with me and I felt like so zoned in and so special yet I couldn't say shit I couldn't even (laughs) raise my hand to ask a question and I just hope that one day I can work with them or like just something like interview them or something one day to just like make up for that one missed opportunity in my life. Just go, hey, your work means the fucking world to me. Because um, this performance, is, there's nothing like this in this country, the way that Paul Capsis plays this character uh, before we even had the vocabulary to even talk about like what this character is doing, apart from talking about it in punk rock themes, like I've been talking about at the start of this uh, little digression. Um, <laughs> so I think that this is one of the most important Australian films that is almost an unheralded classic. Like it got its due it's at on its the time. Bo- it's, it's on the borderline though, because it feels like it's a movie that isn't talked about um, as a sort of a coming of age thing. 19, mm. there's this weird thing of like, coming of age and then there's like you're an adult and i love i feel like so much in contemporary life it's this like protracted coming of age and coming to adulthood Mm. and and so for me that's where like it synthesizes that head-on continues to be extremely important in our like in the stories of australia like the stories that we tell about ourselves and especially Mm. an ethnic story so yeah i i feel like it's getting it should it should it needs another couple of exclamation marks and underscores of like head-on needs to be on the list yeah, absolutely. And I think that it is very worthy to be in like this sunburnt screens canon. Um, I think it is like, you know, like I say, it's one of the more punk rock entries in this canon. Like, and I think that's what's cool about sunburnt screens is that there are some like gentle classics, there are some masterpiece classics, there are some genuine classics, there are some weirdo discoveries in here. But this is like a almost a cult entry in here in a very like visceral sense. Um, the one I will have like one big criticism of this release though is that Same. it is 
there's only one new feature since the last Blu-ray that, of course, I've owned since it was released like <laughs> 10 years ago or whatever. There's only one new special feature, which is awesome. It's a commentary from Anacokinos. Um, so it is absolutely, for me, who already owned this, worth the upgrade for that audio commentary from one of my favorite Australian filmmakers. So absolutely thank you for that uh, umbrella and sunburnt screens because I think that is like a necessary addition to bring this movie into a new conversation to be held by the director themselves. But one thing I was left wanting was this has not been newly restored in any kind of way. And while I do think like the kind of grubbiness of the film itself, like there's almost cigarette burns on the film visible. There's definitely like, cigarette burns. And scratch marks and stuff. I think that really suits the film. I think that it doesn't detract from my experience of watching this film for it to look this way kind of scratched and shaggy because I think that is like the energy of this film. Yet I do feel that this should have been newly restored. Like there's nothing written about this being a new restoration anyway. I don't think it's been touched since the last Blu-ray edition 10 years ago. And it shows like it. it's not in good shape. No, it definitely... You want the care and curation of like a brand new, fresh, clean print, reassembled, like nice two mm-hmm. or four K scan. That's what it deserves. And then, if the grubbiness exists, it exists. But you just feel like there are movies that are intentionally grubby, and this is one of them. But it just feels like the crispness could be so much. Like it doesn't pop. And mm. like the color and the vibrancy that is evident in the performances and the energy of the direction and the editing, it just feels like I wonder. God, and in Australia, it just you just start getting scared because you're like, don't tell me we haven't got a good print of Head On somewhere. Don't tell mm. me that that you know. Don't tell me that Afters, you know, or AFI or whatever the case may be, does not have or Acme doesn't have Head On in a pristine thirty five print somewhere that mm. could have been cleaned up. So, uh, you, you know, you, you hope, you hope that that's what it was or potentially, you know, I, I, I would love to have heard if, if it wasn't a new print, you know, if there was some other interview or something with Annika Kinnis that said, no, like this is as good as I want it. I want it to feel mm. like it's found. I want it to feel this. I just feel like it needed to be addressed. And because it wasn't, it's just like one of the disappointing things because it's such a stone cold classic. Yeah. And, um, I, like, you know, I think that the National Film and Sound Archive of Australia, uh, they're like some of the best archivists and like restoration workers in the world. Yeah. And seeing recently like what they've done to Radiance, uh, another great yeah. classic Australian film starring Deborah Malman. Um, uh, like you can see the absolute work and care that they can put into something. And even in like the Sunburn screens, a lot of them have been like National Film and Sound Archive restorations, including the one we talked about recently, Shame, um, that look phenomenal. So yes. it's something that I wish that I knew an answer to. I, yeah. I don't know. I haven't listened to the audio commentary yet because um, I just want to refresh myself with the movie for the first time in like five or six years. Um, maybe it's addressed by Anna Kokinos in there, but I have yet to watch it. So I am willing to you know, give benefit to the doubt that it could be a reference in there why the film looks like it's in this shape. But also, I'm too young to have seen it in the cinema. It could have looked exactly like this on its could first have. printing, on its first press, and I have no idea. But um, 
yeah, just to me, I think this is still a worthy release, and I think he's worth buying. Is it, if you already own the Blu-ray, is it worth the upgrade? It's up to you. If you want to hear the audio commentary, personally, I do. That's why I'm going to watch this movie again soon. But um, if you're already own, I don't know if it's worth the upgrade because it's yeah. basically virtually the same disc. Uh, but this is one of my favorite movies of all time. And if you've never seen it before, do not let my negative criticism of this release uh, stop you from purchasing it because these do get real cheap in those JB Hi-Fi sales. Yes. This is like one of the best, coolest, most interesting Australian films ever made. And it is so worthy to me in this Sunburnt Screen collection. And I'm very, very, very grateful that it is in there and that we've got a new Blu-ray of it. Um, this is like no shit dude like one of my favorite fucking movies ever made excuse me to ruin the review by being obscene at the very end no i think i think it's the exact right exclamation mark we need this um, has been another episode of the blues brothers you can hear from me blake howard at uh everything we're doing at one hit minute production so this same feed you're going to hear zodiac chronicle wrapping up you're going to hear us talking uh to so many amazing people there miami nice is heating up um Mm -hmm. especially and um now that you've heard this um the the twitter sphere has exploded uh in very recent times about michael mann finally revisiting heat with his heat Two book, which is coming very soon, just announced that will capture 1989. So Neil McCauley's uh, rise as a crew together, working alongside Nate, doing high-level heights, and Vincent Hanna's career as a Chicago attacking, taking down Frankie Younger's crew. And he was a fucking maniac, as uh, people who know Heat and as a biggest deep cut. And then following on from it, literally the day after the events of the film, all the way through to 2002, with Vincent Hanna hunting down Chris Chehalis. Holy crap. Um, and so I've announced that One Heat Minute is coming back to wow. tackle Heat to the novel a chapter at a time. The guests are already lining up. The crew is coming Holy back. Shit. And uh, it's impossible for me to uh, not return back to that universe Mm -hmm. as promised. Um, So you guys might have heard a bonus episode uh, now that you're listening to this with Travis Woods, my dear friend who hosted Increment Vice uh, because he in the 165th minute, the 165th episode of One Heat Minute made me promise that if the novel ever came that we would do it and now I'm saying a chapter at a time and some people I'm saying I should do a page at a time oh and, no 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 no! don't do page at a time I'm trying you know speaking as my fellow brother in podcasts Lexi knows that a page at a time is at least 300 episodes and I mm-hmm. just don't know if I can Come do 300 on, this, episodes no way you think Michael Mann's going to write a, only a 300 page book <laughs> there's no way there's going to be a fat little volume Oh my God, that's so scary to even comprehend, but it's going to be a chapter at a time. So that is announced. Um, And of course, long before that will be our our show, Podcaster and Commander on Peter Weir's incredible Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World, starring Rusty Crow. Um, But uh, that's where you can find me. Lex, I know you are doing a mega, mini, mini, mega Mm -hmm. series over at Total Reboot right now. Taking us back to around the time this movie was made, at the turn of the last millennium, what are you and Cam doing over there at Reboot? 
yeah, I'm excited to announce it once again. We're doing a mini mega series on Millennium Mindfuck movies. Movies at the turn of the new era that twisted things up in complex narratives. We're looking at Fight Club. We're looking at Memento. We're looking at stuff like Mulholland Drive. Oh, my There's so much gosh. in this genre cycle that I cannot wait to unpack because they're both some of the most important movies to my journey into cinephilia and becoming a film fanatic and movies I look back and cringe at how much I was obsessed <laughs> with when I was a teenager. So it's a real perfect mix of uh, mini series that we're doing here. And we've got some great guests lined up that fulfill an essential quality to these films. We are getting many guests that fulfill that archetype of an older big brother that will introduce <laughs> you to these movies. Um, um, so come with us on the journey into the new millennium the far off world of the year 2000. (laughs) We'll catch you on another episode of the Blues Brothers very soon. We have so much more coming up. Obviously, the Imprint Companion is going to be kicking off hard. We are knowing now that there's going to be almost a release in Imprint Films every single month and February is uh, the first batch of that. So you're going to hear from us on Imprint Companion and the Blues Brothers. We have more physical media unboxing, unpacking, disrobing, if you will, uh, coming up very, very soon. But this has been Blue Clothes. Hi, this is Blake Howard, host and producer of One Heat Minute Productions podcast. We dive into the great and underappreciated cinematic works, often one minute or one scene at a time. Our crew of guests are some of the most wonderful filmmakers, writers, authors, and critics ever assembled. Our shows include One Heat Minute, Josie and the Podcats, All the President's Minutes, Increment Vice, and right now, Zodiac Chronicle. Check out oneheatminute.com or find us wherever you get your podcasts. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.